I want to welcome everybody who is here with me tonight and also everybody who is watching online as we continue our series, Empowered. We are an empowered people. We are an empowered church, and God wants us to take that empowerment and do something with it. He wants us to love and serve each other, and he wants us to reach the world outside the church as well. And both of those go together. You really can't do one effectively. You can't reach the world effectively if we're not loving and serving each other within the church. And so we'll talk about that in this message. But before we do that, can I mention Christmas Eve? I want to let you know we're having Christmas Eve services this year. Uh, I know it's August, but we're talking about Christmas Eve because that's one of the highlights in terms of our worship services throughout the year. It's awesome, wonderful. If you are watching online, you've never been to a Christmas Eve service and you live somewhere else, it would be worth coming here to this area to be a part of one of our Christmas Eve services. And uh, of course, one of the things we do is very traditional, and that is the Christmas Eve candle lighting. And we have at the front of the auditorium a candle that we call the Christ candle. It represents the light of Christ who came into the world as a light in the darkness. But then we take the light from that one candle and we then share that light with everybody in the room. And it's a dark room. We turn off all the lights, the screens are not lit, and it's very, very dark but that one candle is shining, and then we share the light with one another, and the next thing you know, the room is full of light. And that's representative of the fact that God has called us to be the light of the world as well. And when we all shine our light, it brightens the whole room. And that is representative of also the fact that when we shine our light in a dark world, it brings light to others who otherwise would be, as the Bible says, dwelling in great darkness. So we want to shine our light. Now, what does that have to do with uh, empowered, especially empowered to serve? Everything. Because Jesus said that we shine our light by doing good deeds. Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's one of the key principles of our big days of service. We do those at least three times a year. We're planning for a huge one for 2024, looking to have somewhere between 100 and 200 churches in the greater Philadelphia area involved in this day of service. And we're going out and Jesus said that if we shine our light through good deeds before others, they'll glorify our Father in heaven. And one of the things that we do is we encourage people who are going out to serve and shine their lights to invite people in their workplaces and their neighborhoods, their classmates and family members, other people who do not go to church to come serve with us because otherwise they don't see this light. We can go and serve in an area of need in Norristown or Philadelphia or wherever it might be, but our everyday neighbors don't see the light of Jesus through those good deeds unless we invite them to come see them. 
and they want to serve. They want to do something to make a difference. And so we encourage you to be a part of it. And, you know, I don't know when you might be watching this online, but if you're here in the room, you know we have a serve day like that coming up on August 26th. And so we encourage you to sign up to serve. But a big day of service is not the be-all and end-all of being servants of Jesus Christ and having something to show to a dark world. Because Jesus said there's more to it than that. There are two other things that Jesus specifically says that we're to be showing to the world. Not only our good deeds, but our love for one another and our unity. John 13, 35, Jesus says this, and many people in the church world are going to be very familiar with this verse. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know that we're disciples, we're followers of Jesus, not because of a bumper sticker or our political position, but they will know by our love for one another. And then John 17, 23, Jesus is talking about giving his glory to us. And then he says, here's the reason, verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. What happens when we're brought to complete unity? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so the question is, do we give the world a chance to see this? We want to give the world a chance to see our good deeds to a big day of service and any other kind of service we offer to the world out there. But in the process, are we letting the world see our love for one another so that they will know that we're Jesus' disciples, that they will know that we follow Jesus, that we serve and honor Jesus? Are they seeing our love for one another, and are they seeing our unity by which, according to what Jesus says, they will know that the Father has sent the Son? That makes it hugely evangelistic to show the world that we're in unity. And that's a great thing about a big day of service. Not only do they see our good deeds that shine the light, if we are really following Christ in the way that he intends, they also should see our love for one another and our unity. Let's talk about those two things because they're very, very important. When we go out to serve in the community, we're, we're not just fulfilling a project or doing something good. We are very much wanting to reach our world for Jesus. The people we serve, the people who we invite to serve with us, do they see our love for each other and do they see our unity? I mentioned John 13, 35, where Jesus said, by this they will know you are my disciples, by your love for one another. You know what happens in that chapter? It's kind of interesting. Jesus is gathered with his, with his disciples one of the things that was a common act of hospitality in those days was to wash feet. And it wasn't just ceremonial. It wasn't just symbolic. It was something they needed. 
because can you imagine walking around as they did with open sandals and, you know, with the dust and the animals and all those things? It was a need. And, you know, it was kind of a menial thing to bow down, bend down, and wash somebody else's feet. And none of the disciples, you know, who were always arguing with each other about who was the greatest, they weren't going to volunteer for the job. But do you know who did? Jesus. <laughs> knowing where he had come from, where he was going, knowing who he was, knowing that he's the Son of God, he was not in any way diminished by servanthood. And so he took off his outer clothes, wrapped a towel around his waist, filled a basin with water, and washed his disciples' feet. It was embarrassing to them. In fact, Peter said, no, no, not, you're not going to do it. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. So Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And then he says this in John 13, verses 14 and 15, same chapter where he says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for each other. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So, ushers, can you bring in the water? We're going to wash it. No. You know, there are denominations, and right here in Pennsylvania, a pretty strong denomination, Church of the Brethren, where foot washing is a, an ordinance of the church. Like, we have two ordinances, the Lord's Supper and, and baptism, and they, in their celebration of the Lord's Supper, they have kind of like a, a love feast. I don't know exactly the name for it, but in their observance of the Lord's Supper, they also wash each other's feet, which represents what Jesus did on the institution of the Lord's Supper that same night that he washed the disciples' feet. They, they take that very seriously. And, you know, I thought of a really crazy example. I've only been in one foot-washing ceremony in my life. I always heard about it, but never participated in one. Anybody here ever participate in one? And, and the one I did, it, it didn't make me want to participate in any others either. <laughs> but our Thursday night service pastor, he's like the campus pastor for the Thursday night service, Curtis, uh, he, he actually used to be a pastor in the Church of the Brethren, which does foot washing as part of their monthly celebration of the Lord's Supper. And so I thought, oh man, if I tell my, you know, crazy story of foot washing, Curtis might be offended. And, and, and I asked him, you know, if he had any stories about foot washing, and, and he sent me this, this text. And by the way, this, this is about loving one another. Loving is serving. And, and he says, said, said this, when I was a summer camp counselor, I was butting heads with another camp staffer. And the final night of training, we had feet washing. And I offered to wash his feet. And as tears ran down his face, this became a beautiful moment of serving, forgiveness, and reconciliation because I offered to wash his feet. Wow. It's something supernatural about humbling ourselves and serving each other. Serving is loving. And, you know, this is to paraphrase Rick Warren about another topic, but I'll use it with regard to serving. You can serve without loving, 
but you can't love without serving. You can go through the motions of serving and not have love in your heart. But if you have love in your heart, you will serve. And it's healing. It's powerful. And uh, maybe foot washing is something good in that respect, especially when we understand the meaning behind it. He, he told me this other story. I also remember another time where we were at our Maundy Thursday service. That's Holy Week before Easter, the Thursday night where the Lord's Supper and foot washing was instituted by Jesus. He says, we were at our Maundy Thursday service with feet washing, and I remember an older gentleman struggling to get to his knees, talking about the pain of just bending down and, and kneeling and, and washing somebody else's feet. I saw this older gentleman struggling to get to his knees to offer to wash my feet, a 20-something-year-old at the time. He says, I sat in awe of his willingness to sacrifice, to go through this discomfort to serve and bless me. Isn't that awesome? And then I thought, oh, no, I cannot tell my goofy story now. This is serious business. I don't want to offend Curtis. But then a couple of hours later, I got another text from Curtis. And he says, my wife, Christine, reminded me of this. Christine and I decided to do feet washing as part of our wedding ceremony. My groomsmen had the brilliant idea to paint my toenails. <laughs> And he shared this with me today. He says, so they borrowed some polish from uh, a young niece, and it just happened to be that sparkling glittery polish. He said, when Christine went to wash my feet during the ceremony, she just about lost it in laughter. It eased the intensity of the moment and helped us relax and enjoy the ceremony. So I thought, oh, okay, it's okay to have a little humor with regard to foot washing. So let me tell you about the only foot washing ceremony that I've been a part of. I was a camp counselor at Canyon Camp, the United Methodist Youth Camp in Oklahoma. And uh, Lisa and I served as camp counselors there for two or three years. And one night, you know, after, you know, the two or three days where the camp counselors got together and made our plans for the week, uh, at the end of one of those sessions, at the end of the day, the end of the night, the uh, camp directors filled up a big bowl of water, grabbed some towels, and all of us counselors were sitting around a circle, and they made us take off our shoes after a dusty day in Canyon Camp. And, uh, oh man, I was so embarrassed to have somebody touch my dirty feet. I mean, if I had known I was going to a foot washing, I would have washed my feet ahead of time. <laughs> I wonder if they do that in the Church of the Brethren. Oh, it's foot washing Sunday. We better wash our feet and wear good socks, you know. So I was embarrassed to have these guys wash my feet. Very uncomfortable. But it was even worse. When the basin got to me, it was not clear water. It was dark brown and had this... <laughs> unidentifiable floaties in there like oh so here's here's the point of that let's remember when Jesus washed feet and I have nothing against ceremonially doing this as a remembrance nothing against it at all but Jesus wasn't in my thinking, and according to our tradition, instituting a ritual, he was 
doing something that met a really practical need. And I believe that as we pull that together, we have some practical ways to fulfill what is symbolized by foot washing. And, you know, you think about what Curtis said. You think about, you know, our serving one another within the family of God, whether it be parking lot ministry or nursery ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, greeting at the door, serving on the tech team. When you look at what people sometimes do, the sacrifices they make to serve one another within the family of God, we ought to be in awe. We ought to be in awe. Yeah, sometimes, you know, some of our fellow servants do the uh, glittery toenail polish thing and we get some humor out of it. But it's really an awesome thing. When we follow the example of Jesus in the sense of humbling ourselves to serve one another. And you can't love one another without serving one another. And the fact that those are in the same chapter, Jesus is pulling that together. And I want to encourage you as people who love one another to get involved in serving in Victory Church. If you're watching online and you're a part of another church, be a servant. Join a serve team in your church. Do something that's practical, that helps people grow closer to God, that helps people worship God, that helps people elevate their faith in God and put their eyes on God, which is what it's all about when we gather together for worship. Serve one another. Serve one another. We love that passage in Matthew 25 where Jesus separates the sheep from the goats and he tells the sheep, man, you did great. When you did it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And sometimes we use that as encouragement to go out and serve the least of these in our neighborhoods or in our communities. But Jesus said the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. And in every case throughout the New Testament, every case, a reference to brothers and sisters is a reference to the family of God, followers of Jesus. So do we serve like that out in the community, big days of service and all that? Yes. But the fulfillment of Matthew 25 is not that service out there. The fulfillment of Matthew 25 is serving the family of God. And there are many ways that go beyond being on a serve team to make worship services what they should be. But that's a part of helping each other to grow closer to God, to grow closer in our relationship with God, our love for God. Doing good deeds for others, doing good deeds that will let people see the light, according to Matthew 5, 16, you know where it starts? Serving each other in the family of God. If it's just an act for people out there and we don't serve each other in here, it's not going to shine light on people out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, unless this is who we are that we're representing to the world, we're people who love and serve each other, then our love and service to the world, I would say, would be questionable. We want them to see the real thing. 
And we practice it week after week after week. And I want to encourage you again to get on a serve team. Galatians 16, 610 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Pastor Steve mentioned this in his message in this series. But it bears repeating. Let us do good to all people. That's our service out there. But then he says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. How do we do that? Life groups. Get into a life group. We've got new semester coming up in uh, just a few more weeks. And we'll be opening that up not too long from now. But that's part of our life together and loving and serving each other in very real and practical ways through getting to know each other in life groups and small groups. But also getting on a serve team. And I want to encourage you to get on a serve team. You have cards that are in your, uh, your little stack of cards that you got when you came in today, empowered on one side, QR code on the other side. Use those to go to our website and uh, find out where you can serve. Join a serve team. Join the serve team. If you're watching this online, again, join the serve team, whether it's on, at this church or the church that is near you. Get connected in that way, and God is going to bless you. Now, Jesus talked about our love for one another. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about our unity as well. See, we don't just reach the world by our love for people, right? We reach the world by our love for each other. That's crazy. You know, it seemed like we should love them first and best, and then that will reach them but Jesus says, love each other, serve each other first and best, and that will reach him, reach them. And then Jesus emphasized our unity. John 17, 23 again. He says, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. I share this story in our Invite Your Neighbor curriculum. It's a small group study that I wrote to help you to understand all the dynamics that go into reaching our world for Jesus through, through uh, acts of service, big days of service, but also inviting our neighbors to see and participate in that. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a powerful curriculum. You know, even if I did write it myself, forgive me, but I, I believe it's really powerful and effective for our culture today. And so I encourage you to, to get into that. Uh, but I tell the story in there about going to a restaurant near my home, not too far from here, where we are right now, and uh, the restaurant was obviously struggling. I mean, you could tell the chef owner was stressed out. You could see it in his demeanor, just the way he acted to everybody, the sweat that was pouring off his brow. I mean, you could tell the business was struggling just by the way it looked inside, just everything. You know, man, something's not right. But the saddest part of the situation is that he was venting his frustration on his daughter who was working there with him. I would never vent my frustration on my daughter's I, Anna's calling me out on that. <laughs> you know, we do that with family, right? And it was really sad to just, I mean, to hear him speak so harshly to her in public, in front of the people she was trying to serve. And, and you could just see the pain on her face, and it was so sad. Now, the food was pretty good. 
It was good. I should have gone back there, but you know what? I never did. You know why? Because of the way they treated each other in the restaurant. You can feel disunity. You can feel, you can feel it when you walk into a room. You can feel it when you walk into a church. You can feel, you can see it. And hopefully they don't hear us yelling at each other the way the father was yelling at his daughter in the restaurant. But they'll know it. Because folks, you cannot fake it. You can't fake unity. And our world, they don't like fake. We've got to be genuine. We've got to be real. So we have to be real in our love for one another, and that means serving one another. We have to be real in our unity. That's why Paul says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Let me ask, as a volunteer, as a servant, as a regular attendee at Victory Church, and if you're watching online, maybe this pertains to you and your relationship with your church. Are you building up or are you tearing down? And I would say watch out that you don't let the devil get you worked up about something in a way that is divisive, especially in an area that's not essential to who we are, not essential to our doctrine, not essential to our mission. Yeah, we, we want to expose evil and abuse. You know, I've I heard too many times people, you know, are concerned that exposing evil, abuse, immorality among leadership of the church, oh, that's gossip. No, it's not. That's exposing wolves in sheep's clothing. So I, I, what I'm saying, I'm not saying to protect the guilty. I'm just saying that sometimes we allow the devil to cause us to come into conflict when it really doesn't call for conflict. See, we, we talked about, and this is something that I think was very impactful in the last message in this series, when people felt God loves you and he has gifted you. You are important. You are necessary for the family of God. Every brother and sister in Christ is precious to us. Every spiritual gift. Doesn't matter whether it's on the platform, or never seen by more than two or three people. Every spiritual gift is honored, and you're honored in the exercise of that. But that doesn't mean every opinion carries the same weight, whether it's your political opinion, your opinion about the color of the carpet, or anything else. Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Spirit has already given us unity. That's why we're as multi-ethnic as we are, because during a period of revival, you know, we started like 99.8% white, and by the end of a six-month period of revival in the mid-90s, we were very multicultural, multi-ethnic. It was amazing. And all we've been doing since is cooperating with the Holy Spirit to keep the unity that He brings. We want to do that still because, man, we have hundreds of people come to this church 
throughout the year. And we want them to see our love for one another. We want them to be well served when they come into a worship service. And we want them to sense our unity, that we're unified. And everything might not be to our liking, but we're unified. Amen? Amen. Here's something that I think is, is very important to understand, especially, you know, this idea that we reach people with the love of Jesus, not so much by loving them, or at least not just by loving them, but by loving each other. There's no way around it. You know, if you're a two-parent family with kids, if you want your kids to grow up emotionally healthy, you should love them, right? Of course you should, but that's only part of it. In a two-parent home, and I know not, not every family gets the chance to put this into practice, but in a two-parent home, one of the best things you could do for your kids to be emotionally healthy is not to focus on the kid. Not to focus primarily on the kid. Not to let the kid divide you. Not to let the kid become the focus where everything the family does is about satisfying the whims and desires of the kid. That's not the best thing for the kid to be emotionally healthy and to lead a, a, a good life. They'll actually be healthier. I want to speak to the moms and dads of this, of raising kids who you know, are still below uh, the age of adulthood. The kids are going to be healthier. Guess what? If you focus on loving each other first and let them see what it means to love beyond yourself, to stand in unity and serve one another and provide that stable atmosphere in which the kid is going to not only know that he or she is love, but they're really going to know how to love now. Folks, it's counterintuitive. You love your kid best when you love each other as husband and wife, assuming that you're together in a two-parent family. Isn't that something? I've had people argue with me about that. But I know it's biblically valid. It is also psychologically valid that you love your kids best by loving each other. And we love the world out there best by loving each other. Because then they're going to see something that offers hope and stability and meaning and purpose and honor and respect and rejoicing together and sometimes even crying together. But they'll want to be a part of that. Will you help make that happen? Will you help, help make that happen? If you're here in the room with me, again, I want to encourage you to look at that card, empowered. You're empowered to serve. And Jesus is going to be glorified in that. If you're not on a serve team, it's time. You might say, well, I'm brand new to victory. Doesn't matter. We have first serve opportunities. And from day one, you can serve at Victory Church. And if you say, I'm online only, we have online ministries. Just let us know. Just communicate with us in the way that's right there on the screen or through whatever format you're watching us, and we'll help you get connected with servant opportunities 
that are going to bless other people and glorify God. How many of you would say, you know, I have not been on a serve team yet, but I want to be. Would you just stand? Because I want to pray for you. If you're already serving, awesome. But if you're not yet serving on a serve team of any sort, would you stand? Let me make it a little easier for you. If you're already on a serve team, stand. This makes it a little more obvious that you're not just alone when you're going to stand. And now if you would say, yeah, I want to be a part of people like this, would you stand? And I'm not looking at you, I'm not taking your name, but if you can stand now and say, yeah, I want to do this, God's going to bless you in that. And I want to ask you, if you just stood, to say, yeah, I want to be a part of these people who are standing. I want to be on a ministry team. Please follow through. Don't just stand now and go and forget. Take your QR code, follow through. God's going to bless you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each person standing. Thank you, Lord, for those who are already putting this into practice in some wonderful ways. Lord, bless them as they show love for one another and as they express unity and make every effort to maintain the unity that your spirit has already gave us here, Lord, bless them. And Lord, I pray that you'd work through them in a mighty way to show your love to people who are outside your family. Lord, draw people to yourself. Draw people to the love that they see in us. Draw people to your presence. Draw people through the good deeds, the light that we shine through those good deeds. Draw them by our love for one another. Draw them by our unity. Lord Jesus, you said that would be a testimony for you. And we thank you, Lord, that you're true to your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're getting us ready for the hundreds more people that you're bringing to Victory Church in the coming weeks and months. And Lord, we thank you that we're ready to serve each other and ready to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me speak to anyone here and anyone watching online who has not yet become a part of the family of God through putting your faith and trust in Jesus, now is the time to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to pray, and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Come take over my life. Now's the time to do that. Or maybe you at one time had a relationship with Jesus, but you walked away. Guess what? He's still here for you. He's just saying, come home. Come back. There's a place for you. There's a place for you in the family of God, I assure you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. There's a place for you in God's family. So would you join me right now? I want to ask everybody in the room to pray with me out loud. Just reaffirm your faith in Jesus if you've already prayed this before. Encourage those who are praying this for the first time or coming back to Christ. And if you're watching online, just say this out loud with me. Don't worry about who's in the room with you. Say this out loud with me and make that decision to say yes to Jesus. Say these words, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I believe Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. And he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's praise God for those who've made a decision here and online. We're thankful for you. Stay with us. We have some important next steps. So 